Hey guys, welcome to another episode of My Violet Tendencies with me, Marvelous Matt Nix. And uh, how's everybody doing? Hope everybody's doing well, staying safe, uh, washing your hands, washing your ass. Um, it's kind of weird, we have a lot of different shirts, uh, a lot of different shirts that come out of pro wrestling tees. Uh, some good ones, some not so good ones. But uh, I think one of my favorite ones that I've seen recently was uh, a Chris Jericho shirt that says, wash your ass. And I was just like, yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly what I think we were, we were missing on t-shirts now, was uh, telling people to wash their asses. But, you know, some people just need to, to be reminded. <laughs> and now I'm just rambling. But thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in to another week. I'm being a little bit more consistent now uh, with my posting. And... You know, it's, uh, being stuck up inside all day is uh, it's a little helpful with uh, kind of, I guess, prioritizing uh, your hobbies that you like to do. So, hey, it works out good for good for me. It works out good for you guys, if, if anybody's actually listening. I don't know. A few people I saw on Twitter said that they listened to the last episode. So thank you. If you, if you are continuing on your journey of whatever this is, uh, thank you so much. And, and, uh, and hey, if you want to, you know support me a little bit you know toss me a few uh, couple dollars a couple dollars to uh to help me do this stuff i mean I, again i don't really need the money right now thankfully i'm still able to work full time but uh you know it'd be nice to to be uh compensated for my time but hey that's not why we're doing this we're not doing this to make money we're doing this to make moments and uh but if you would like to help and support uh, you could be like my good friend Glenn Smith, who is my my patron, and uh, every single week that guy's getting a shout out. And so uh, here's your shout out, Glenn Smith. He's a great dude. And uh, you might be asking yourself, like, okay, so you got yourself a Patreon? Okay, what 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 do I get out of this? Well, let me tell you about it. So for my Patreon, if I can. <laughs> as I'm scrolling through my settings because I don't remember what I got. Here we go. Tears. We got tears here. So just for $5 a month, you get access to everything on the on the, the Patreon that I'll be putting up there. Exclusive content. Videos, full matches, um, some backyard wrestling videos that, that include myself and a lot of freelance, uh, freelance guys. Uh, you get access to, I'm going to put up exclusive polls and stuff. And then I'll just love you forever because you're my, you're gonna be my friend. Uh, at the ten dollar a month level, you get all that stuff. Plus, you get a signed, personalized eight by ten of yours truly, and uh, and that's where you get the shout out every single week on the video podcast, on this podcast, and I'll still love you forever. But wait, there's more. If you want to sign up at the twenty dollar a month uh, level, which hey, that's a lot of money, but if you decide to do that, you get all that stuff listed above. Plus, you will get your very own free Marvelous Matt Nick's Purple Sad Boy Club t-shirt. And you can actually be a guest on this show once a month. I, I will personally Skype with you and we will do this. We will we will have your story be told. And that's, that's, that's basically it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you guys for supporting. Uh, Follow the show on Twitter, follow on Instagram, My Violet Podcast. 
and uh, just spread the word about this. You know, that's all I really, really want is the, the, the spread, spread the word of this, get more people listening and, you know, help out some of my friends. Speaking of friends, this week's guest, my good pal, uh, Sean, you might know him as Sean Phoenix. You might know him as Folkland. You might know him as Steve from Pittsburgh. It's my good friend, Sean Phoenix, professional wrestler. Uh, you might know him as the guy who did the 450 to the outside and cracked his damn skull on the ground. Well, we get into that story, um, along with other near-death experiences that, uh, that Steve has had in his life. Um, it's a good, it's a really fun one, so hopefully you guys uh, enjoy it. Oh, goddamn. So you're fucking soaking your lizard in the <laughs> in the bathtub. And that's not a euphemism for something. You no. you actually have a lizard in the bathtub. Yeah, he gets he gets daily baths, helps them digest and get some water, and you know, just chill. Who doesn't like taking a bath during a pandemic? So is is that the only one you have left now, or? Uh, I have another one. It's a Euromastisk. He uh, I've actually had him for a long time. He was a uh, kind of given from a cousin, but like. I don't know how his previous owner handled him. He doesn't like being held at all. He hides a lot. So, like, I, I feel bad for the guy. You know, like, I'm trying to give him this best of a life as I, as, as I can give him. But he doesn't really seem to enjoy it. So, he's just kind of like a novelty lizard, which really breaks apart because... He's just kind of like, there. Being held, he doesn't, he's too small to walk around the living room. But, I mean, he's content. Wow, how long have you had that one? Oh man, since like 2013. Oh damn! So it's been a a while. I was gonna say maybe he's got to like warm up and acclimate a little bit to you, but yeah, um... like I said, I I don't know how what his previous owner was like if he ever handled him or anything like that. So I mean, he's chill. So <laughs> and as we talk about li- the lizards, like for people that don't under- don't know what we're talking about, it's uh, they're iguanas, right? Both of them yeah. are iguanas. I have uh, a blue green iguana, which is very confusing. They're just called green iguanas, but he's blue. His name is Pluto. And then I have a, a Euromastis named Sammo. Now, then Euromastis is just another breed of iguana, then, I, I assume? It's actually completely different. Um, it's, I mean, he's about, he, he's significantly smaller than my iguana, and he's got like a spiky tail. It's really badass. Um, oh, shit. They are like more so like desert lizards where iguanas are tropical. Um, I couldn't tell you where exactly Euromastis are from, but sounds yeah. like a dinosaur. Yeah, he kind of looks like a dinosaur. Exactly. Like he's got <laughs> a spiky tail. And like if I'll go to like grab him, he, he will whip me with it and feel like, really it doesn't, it doesn't hurt badly, but it doesn't feel good. Um, but like I can't really house them together. They need two different, um, you know, like humidity levels and stuff. But they they will interact every now and then. Like they don't hate each other. They just they're just like, what, what are you? You look a little different than me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny. It's actually uh, I've actually like thought about um, getting a lizard, yeah. and most most specifically um, a chameleon. Oh, right because on. they they have uh, at the there was a a pet shop a pet shop near my house that like had like a bunch of them, and I, I guess they were like overstocked on these guys. And nobody was buying them, so they were like twenty bucks out the door. Just take this goddamn lizard. Wow. And, yeah, and I was like, oh shit, I should like buy like like two of them or something, and like see if I can like buy like a guy and a girl, and maybe I can like 
you know, get some babies or something. But then they were like, okay, well, if you need, if you're getting lizards, you need this tank, this specific light, this, the, 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 and it, and it, like, at the time, I was like, oh, that's more money than I can afford to spend right now. Uh, if it was right now, I mean, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's do it. Like, let's get a, a whole family of lizards going. But uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe in the future. Yeah. Any advice for a future lizard owner? Uh, chameleons, they're not easy to, to take care of. They're very temperamental. They need a goal. Like, obviously, each each animal needs its, you know, has specific lizards and need humidity levels and stuff like that. But chameleons are very, very specific. Like they need, they're in that Goldilocks range. And if you don't have, if they don't have the proper humidity or heating or light source, they can get sick. And my sister had one like a year or so ago and she didn't give it enough calcium powder on its food and then ended up like breaking its, its legs just from falling in its own cage. Like, a, Holy a ter- cow. like just, just not giving it the exact amount they got it got really fragile so we took it to the vet and all that and yeah they're they're very difficult but like if you really you know are passionate about it and you make sure you don't you know give it or you don't not give it what it needs i mean they're great animals but not a very good first lizard (laughs) (laughs) yeah it sounds like it's a little uh it's like uh taking care of a newborn baby basically You gotta like take care of it exactly the right way, or it's gonna die or break its <laughs> legs. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, well, we've been recording for the last five minutes, so that's good. Um, and this is great. It's great opening material there. Like people, people like lizards. I like lizards. You like lizards. Uh, but uh, Sean Phoenix, thank you so much for uh, jumping on here with me. So it was weird. Call- it's weird calling you Sean. It's just like. <laughs> Because for the longest time, I knew you as Folklin, and right. and then it was just you're just Steve, and then it was just Steve from Pittsburgh. Whenever yeah. I would like talk to you about talk about you to somebody else that knew you, I'd be like, oh, you know, Steve from Pittsburgh, and right. I'd be like, oh shit. But <laughs> uh, but man, dude, it's been a, it's been a minute since we've talked. I think like I don't. When's the last time we, I, that we've seen each other in person? Man, got one of the riot fests. I would what? assume. Were you at the the last one I went to was when Nine Inch Nails headlined. Yeah, you know? I was there for that. Yeah, man, that would have to be it then. Dang, that was 2017? 2016, yeah. 2017? Because Misfits was 2016. Yeah, yeah, that was a whole thing. That's insane that it's been that long considering how frequently we went from seeing each other like every month to then, like, those times where I'd make those random trips to Chicago to Riot Fest, and now it's, like, it's 2020 now. Sorry to date the podcast. And we haven't seen each other in <laughs> that long. It's insane. Dude, it's pretty crazy. And uh, it's funny when I was, like, when I was posting earlier about um, trying to get, like, questions and stuff, and I found a bunch of old pictures of us, and uh, and I found, like, that one that one photo of us in Ohio yeah. on the, in, in is, is it Beach's house? It was Justin Beach's house in the barn just like up on the in the rafters just like kind of hanging out and i i remember i distinctively remember that trip being like awesome but also like terrible at the same time because it was like there was a lot of drama but right and then it was like the wind chill was like below freezing and we were still outside (laughs) wrestling (laughs) for some reason i like i think about that now and it's like it's like i love wrestling you love wrestling 
but like I was like I could not fathom loving it that much anymore. Like to where I'm like, let's go wrestle outside in January. Like that's a good idea. Yeah, that was. But like, I mean, I was talking to um to Jimmy Nuts about it. Like we did some crazy stuff in hindsight, and it's weird to call our like when we were kids, you know, because I still feel like you know still that mentality like a that like what's that. I said, I still feel like a kid. Exactly, right? But, like, obviously, that that was 10 years ago, if you can believe that. And, like, we that was just normal to us. Like, yeah, let's just drive to Ohio and freeze to death to wrestle, <laughs> you know? It's it's so funny. Like, I remember, um, and, and obviously, like, we're referring to, like, back when we used to do backyard wrestling. Um, I remember when we were, when when before we started like posting on the forums and everything and the meeting up with everybody and going to to super shows we would like we would wrestle throughout the, like the uh, you know spring and summer maybe into the fall and then once it got cold out that was it and then we were just we were done for the winter and i just remember like i think it was when after we met Craig and Castro and all them and we were they were just like well we could build a base outside and like we could still wrestle during the winter and i it just i remember like what like we could we can i guess it's i don't i don't care about the cold and then it just became like all year round thing and 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 like you said driving to, to fucking ohio in january like just became the norm yeah i remember uh when we eat before super shows we'd wrestle on a on aiden vale's trampoline uh in the winter and like we would slow down a lot but we would still do it because like it was really silly we would we would try to have shows and storylines for no reason. Like we didn't have, like we didn't post them on the internet. We right. didn't. We didn't invite our friends. We didn't have local news, like local TV show or anything like that. But we were so like, no, we have to finish this storyline. So like we would, <laughs> we would do it like, okay, such and such needs to drop the title to this guy so we can go here, and it would be like February. And like, why? Why were we so <laughs> about that? I don't know. I just gave it something to do. I guess. Did it's so funny. Like I, I think about that too. Like before, like when we used to film, when we, when we used to wrestle on the trampoline, we used to film everything on like a. Uh, one of our guys had like one of those shoulder cameras where you stick the VHS tape in the side of it, and we would, we would record our our shit. A lot of times, it was just sitting it onto something and just hitting record, and then run to the entranceway. Um, but we would like we would record it for us, and then just like watch it afterwards and then that was it <laughs> like we didn't we never posted any of this I, mean, we, I had no i think it was probably before youtube even existed but like i had no like like i don't I had no idea how to how to post stuff online and it's it's funny how you think about that like where you're just like we have to do it this way because it's how the story goes and then like in the grand scheme of things you're just like well no one's gonna see this there well eventually like we would have our commentators and stuff like that which was really just wrestlers who weren't actively wrestling and we had like a tripod, like you said. But then it got to the point where we would have our monthly pay-per-views. And that's when I finally like buckled down and got, I think it was like Dazzle video recorder or whatever. And you could like plug it into your computer using AD jacks. And then like you would like rip it to the computer. And then I would make highlight videos of the big shows. Those were the important ones. So those would get posted <laughs> on, on wrestling figs on your backyard wrestling links. But our, our weekly Raw and SmackDown never saw the light of day. <laughs> well, that was uh, that was all the house show stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, like so I I think the first time we met officially was in 20 or 2009. Yep. And it was it was at 
I don't remember whose house it was, but it was in it was in in Indiana. I know that. And as, uh, as weird as it is, not to cut you off, my memory is so terrible about like important things, but like stuff like that, I remember clear as day. It was John house, Anderson, Indiana, October twenty fourth of two thousand nine. <laughs> I remember that clear as day. Dude, I, I'm the same way. Like, I, I'll like, it'll be something. I forget what the my girlfriend's talking to me, and she's just like, "Uh, this thing, this thing, haha." Like, and and she's like, "Don't you remember me telling you that?" And I, I'm like, "I've, I literally have no memory of this." She's like, "I literally just told you this yesterday." And then, like, in in the same conversation, then we're talking about like re, like WrestleManias, and she, I'll be like, "Oh, dude, like WrestleMania nineteen's so dope," and she's like, "I don't even remember the card," and then I just rattle off the card for it, like top to bottom. And yeah. she's like, why, how, why do you know that? Like, but you can't remember what the fuck we were talking about yesterday. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. That's just the way my brain works. Yeah. But sorry to cut you off, as you were saying. Uh, uh, I was just going to say, like, I, that was the first time we met in person. I don't remember, like, specifically, like, us. Like, I'm sure we interacted online and stuff. Mostly everybody did. Yeah. Um, but I remember that, that specifically for that first, uh, the first time we met. Because I know we, I think it was me, you... Uh, Kenny Sutra, uh, and I feel like there was somebody else. We all stayed at at, at Stacy's house. And uh, uh, Jay, uh, his name on Facebook is Jay Garrison, but his wrestling name was The Executioner. Oh, he was with us too. He was with us too. Damn, dude, I forgot about him. That's crazy. <laughs> um, not in a bad way. I just forgot. I just forgot about him. Yeah. Um, but I remember we were all staying at Stacy's house, and then Stacy's like. <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, guys, my uh, my house is uh, it's haunted." And we're all just like, "We're just like bullshit, like whatever." Like, everyone's just like making fun of the ghost that lived in his house and is upstairs. You guys may have been like that, but I was terrified at the thought. Dude. I was like, "Why wouldn't you tell me that, dude? I don't want to say." <laughs> I was like, I remember like dicking around and just being like, "Oh, where's uh, where's Agatha at?" Like. And yeah, just like yeah. fucking around, and then like shit started happening. Like, yes. like the wall. Like I remember on the, the he had like a slanted ceiling in his room, and I remember it sounded like something was like climbing up the wall, like on the on the outside, like on the roof. And I and I'm just okay. And then like shit shit like fell off the 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 dresser top that he had, and we're like, what the fuck? And then like we told uh, Domi to Kenny Sutra to go like, oh, go, go outside, like because it sounded something with like it sounded like something was scratching on the door. And we were like, what the fuck is that? And I remember I remember him going to like open the door and we're all kind of like ready, like watching. Right. And he goes to like grab the door and it just like hissed at him like yeah. loud as fuck. And we all just dive into the bed like four, four or five, like, you know, teenage boys just like cuddled together, like damn near like at to tears. And like, just like, what the fuck is going on? 18, 19, 20 year old guys. <laughs> <laughs> just like almost like we were like close to tears like what like, the fuck is going on like snuggling like oh this is the scariest thing in the world because like we didn't like that literally as he was about to touch the doorknob it was that loud hiss sound dude i think about that like almost daily like it's to this day i still think about that there was it was terrifying and then we all ran out of the room and slept downstairs on the couches like cowards <laughs> Except somebody went upstairs and stayed up there. I forget who ended up just going. I think it was Domi. It may have been Domi, yeah. 
He was that, just like, whatever, I'm tired. That wasn't even like the last time I stayed at Stacy's house because at that point on, it was like, that was literally the scaredest I'd ever been in my life. And it was like, nothing is going to top that. Like, I survived that. And then, like, from that point on, I got kind of, like, fascinated by the paranormal. And I was like, as scary as that was, you know, like, I survived. Like, what's it going to, like, nothing's going to hurt you. And then, like, I I ended up, like, witnessing other stuff at his house, too. I remember one time I was there and uh, his sisters had, you know, their room was right across from his his room. Stacey's the guy, by the way, for the people. Yeah. That- uh, <laughs> um, and like they had a friend over who was freaking out of the house being haunted, and it was me, Snow, and Katonic. We walked upstairs into Stacy's room, and the friend of the of the sister is in the room freaking out. And I happened to turn around and saw that their bedroom door swing wide open, like clear as day. And she, on the inside of the room, freaked out. She's like, "Who just opened the door?" And I was like, oh, my God, that was so cool to witness. But, but yeah, that was a great time, to, a great first way to meet one another. <laughs> we, I feel like after that, we, like, we had this, like, shared bond of just, like, terror. <laughs> just, like, the thought of almost dying was, was, was enough to bring us together. Absolutely. And, like, we would have been great friends even if we didn't go through that. But that was, that was a moment. That was a moment that felt like it lasted 15 years. But it was probably only like an hour long because then I remember like the door was like like it was like it sounded like someone was trying to get in like the door was closed and like it was shaking. Yeah, that was that was fun. I do. And it's so funny because I tell that story. I've told this story so many times to different people, like just when people start talking about, oh, do do you ever have like ghost stories and stuff? And I always tell that story and people are just like, what the fuck? Like that's. That doesn't sound real. I was like, but it happened. There's four or five other people that can corroborate that story uh dude do you remember um do you remember when i think it was the first time it might have been the first or second time i came to pittsburgh that you took us to this like that was the first time you guys that was the first time that 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 um like cemetery off off the that road uh tell this tell the story about that like the story of that cemetery specifically if you remember i I don't remember the lore about that other than i think it was it was um, the lore was that there was an orphanage nearby that burned down and the, the orphans died in a fire, which. OK, so the story that whole time we took you guys to that was a huge rib and I didn't know it until it happened. It was all of the Chicago guys. I think we had Ohio. Uh, B cubed was with us. We had um, <laughs> Jonathan Hitler. <laughs> I was going to say Hitler was there. Hitler was there. Um, and we went, and I was, like, really confused. I was like, why are we taking these guys to this? This is really weird. But it turns out that uh, we went to uh, Sheets afterwards, and we ran into Zane. And Zane was a surprise. And everyone kayfabed me on it. But we needed a reason to – it was JP's idea. He was like, oh, let's surprise Steve. And and Josh, Aiden Vale, went and grabbed him. So that that's why everyone went there. I had no idea until we oh. went. Yeah. Huh? It was like an activity to to you know do something, and <laughs> which was crazy, but but yeah, it was a it was an orphanage that burned down and the orphans died, but the road it was like is in the woods and there's a ton of turns and it you had to like walk down uh, a slanted hill, and then you saw the cemetery, 
And the, the, also the story is no matter where you park, you park your car, you'll go back and you'll see fingerprints all over your windshield and your windows and, and stuff like that. So up to that point, we had finally uh, decided randomly, like, Hey, let's go check this out. And, and we experienced that. Um, I want to say Jimmy nuts was with us too, the first time. And I remember driving and <laughs> the way that the headlights reflected off, like one of the wires at a certain turn, like it illuminated it, but you can only like, obviously you're looking at the road yeah. and then you see this flash of light, dude, it scared the hell out of us. Jimmy Nuts was like, that was a goddamn ghost. Oh my God. And like, <laughs> just losing his shit. <laughs> He's like, did you see that? <laughs> and then we debunked it. It was, it was the lights, but, but yeah. Um, and then the, the story is you can smell like sulfur in that cemetery. I don't know if I ever confirmed that or not, but I haven't gone ghost hunting in a long time. I should probably do that again. Dude. I, I, I always talk about that. Like, um, so I remember like that. So that specific place, I remember we we went down there, and I remember, I remember J, JP just doing uh, backflips off of tombstones. Uh, but I just he's just like oh do 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 just flipping and stuff. He's like where are the ghosts at? Just like trying to like basically uh, taunt taunt the yeah. spirits into appearing. But like right. I remember like in the back the back wall, oh, I guess wall up against like where the forest line is, there was like a bunch of these smaller tombstones that were unmarked. And like that's where everybody was like, those are the unmarked graves of the of the orphans. And I'm like, oh shit, this has got to be real then. And uh, I don't I don't remember like I think when we were walking back to the cars, you could kind of smell something. Yeah. And uh, but it like it just smelled like bonfire, so it could have been it could have been somebody having a bonfire. But I remember walking up that service road back up to the main road. It's like gravel rocks and shit. And I I think it was like me and you in the back of yeah. of the the group. And we're walking up, and like behind us, we just hear like, like somebody was running up the the gravel by us. And I just kind of remember like, kind of turning to look and just being like, "Fuck it!" And I just ran, <laughs> and we both run, and then like everybody just started running because they didn't know where the fuck we were running, <laughs> running right. from. Oh man, dude, that was that was some good time. I like I dude I so I hate going to like haunted houses. Like during Halloween season, I'll go like with people because it's like it's fun. But I don't like that like anxiety of like, okay, I'm waiting for somebody to jump out. I'm waiting for someone to jump out. And then it happens. You're just like, oh, shit. And then like, aha, it's funny. But it's like it's a different kind of like fear as opposed to like going somewhere that's like, oh, this is a haunted location. And like you don't know what you don't know if something's going to happen or if you're going to see something or nothing's going to happen at all. And it's kind of just like the, the novelty of not knowing, I guess. Also, you also run the risk of like, like real people. Like, oh, is there going to be a crazy homeless guy with a knife? That you know, like that's an adrenaline rush. Yeah, that's 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 more my speed, I guess. I I, I like I said, like I haven't been ghost hunting in a, in a long time. I know, like we've we've been talking about doing it for forever, especially in Chicago. There's so many like different, um, you know, historical landmarks that have like you know history with like spiritual activity and all this stuff and. I don't know. I guess once uh, once quarantine's over, maybe maybe we'll start doing some ghost hunting. <laughs> yeah. We'll go find some COVID ghosts. <laughs> I remember um, Jay was like, oh, the ghosts are scary because the kids don't have parents. And I was like, <laughs> why is it always orphans? It's always orphans. Or- dude, like, or- 
children in general are kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone like a, a kid that like doesn't have a, I guess a kid that, a kid that doesn't have a parent that like maybe maybe this kid doesn't hasn't learned like social cues or you know whatever that makes them even more creepier I guess kind of like they're just like these weird little like small <laughs> adults. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> and then yeah. we went to Saturday and Sunday after this ghost adventure. Oh yeah, yeah. Damn, nothing stopped us. Fucking uh, Trey had a stroke at a baseball game, and I think he didn't he wrestle like the next day. He didn't. He was smart about it, and he but he didn't go home right away. He stayed in Pittsburgh. That was a scary moment because he was only like sixteen at the time, and this was July of this was July of two thousand ten, and I had we Trey was in town a few days prior, and uh, Ty Hill. For those who know, don't know Miss Ty Hill, he was at GCW a couple shows. He was in town. And then uh, the Canadians came in, Scott, Drew, Dan. Um, I think that was it at that point. Yeah. So we all decided to go to a, to a Pirates game. And then Trey's sitting to my left, and he turns to me. He's like, I don't feel good. And I was like, I don't know what you want me to do about it. <laughs> but then... <laughs> And then, like, Dan got him a uh, a water. He's like, you might be having a heat stroke, man. Here's a water. And he, like, dropped it. And then it, like, spilled on the people in front of us. And he was like, I just spilled my water on you guys. I'm sorry. And I looked at him. I'm like, dude, you're you're messed up right now. Like, let's go to the, you know, first aid. And, like, I felt a sense of responsibility because I was the only Pittsburgh guy there. Yeah. And like, I was also technically his legal guardian because I was... <laughs> over 18 and he was like 16 so we're walking to first aid and he turns around like he's walking behind me and he, he asked me he's like are my eyes crossed right now and i turn around and like yeah they were and i laughed because i've never been asked that question before in my <laughs> life. and then turn around and see one of my friends with their eyes crossed uncontrollably so they they ran tests on him and um they were like, all right, buddy, uh, you need to go to the hospital. So I'm like, fuck, okay, well, yeah, but what are we going to do? So I had to run because I didn't really – I don't think I had any of their numbers or whatever. I don't know. But I ran to, back to the guys in the stands, and I was like, hey, guys, Trey is having a legit stroke. Not a heat stroke, a legit stroke. We have to go to the hospital right now. I'm going to figure out how to get you guys home. I have to go with him. They were like, oh, my God, yeah, that's a serious thing. I was like, sorry, I can't stay and like show you the floor. They're like, no, 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 this is understandable. So we hopped in the ambulance, went to the hospital. I called my parents and I was like, oh my God, we're we're in the ambulance with sirens on, which is always traumatizing. If, yeah, if it, well, if a, if an ambulance drives away with sirens on and lights, it's a it's a emergency, you know, like it's not oh you got a cut. It's like it's a serious situation. So, yeah, that was stressful. He ended up staying there all night, and his parents drove in from Kentucky. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, he, he stayed in Pittsburgh. He didn't wrestle, but uh, he was back to wrestling in, like, a month. I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> Dude, so, so many of us, though, like, when we used to do backyard wrestling, like, we were young and dumb and just, yeah. like, like we, nobody, like, it just felt like you don't, you know what he really got hurt. It was, I, and I, I think about that, too, like, when, when I tell people, oh, like, like most of like my youth was spent like backyard wrestling, you know, in, in, in different people's you know backyards. And they're like, Oh my God, backyard wrestling. That's, that's so dangerous. Like, and I'm like, I think about it. I'm like, 
I don't really remember too many people like actually getting seriously injured. Like some people like you'll get some people got some stingers here and there, but like which I guess in the long run is kind of kind of a serious injury. But uh, do you remember anybody really kind of getting hurt hurt uh, in the I remember sprained arms and stuff. I think probably the person who had the worst injury, because I think there's a difference between getting hurt and getting injured. Sure. Uh, would, like, would probably be me. Cause I took those months off from my concussion. Oh, this is true. I don't, I don't know of anybody like those, those were undiagnosed concussions that I didn't know I had and had the good physical therapy. But like, other than and that, that put you up for a while too. It was like eight months. And yeah. That was some scary shit. There's the, what? We'll get into that too with you too, with, with your, your brushes with death. But, right. um, yeah, I, I don't, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I remember um, Eric Douglas got diagnosed with with uh, epilepsy or something like that, but that wasn't. They don't think that was wrestling related. Like I think more, you know, like everyone, like some people got stitches here and there, but yeah, no one really got injured, thankfully. God, do you remember when Freak Boy like broke his face? That was that was an injury? Yes, that I was <laughs> that, that one just popped into my head. God, that was, what was that even on? Do you remember? He did a suicide dive and got his. He got his foot hooked on the second rope and then smacked his face off the apron and broke his throat. Yeah. Dang, that's crazy. It's it's crazy, too, to think about, like, the like especially the, the dudes that used to bump, like, super hard. And I know you were one of those guys, too, that like, take, would just take these, like, really crazy bumps. And, like, most of the time, everybody kind of walked away unscathed. Um, it was pretty awesome. I, do, I think about back at wrestling a lot. <laughs> I miss he, it. Uh, Shane also broke his back. <laughs> I forgot about. It. Oh, he. Uh, it was at BYG six. He did a dive, and people caught him and held him. And Steve West did a big whoopee cushion off the top rope to Shane, and because he was shoulder height, he was up above the ground, and Steve's weight came crushing down on him. He came down and broke his back and knocked himself out. But finish the match, which was to his credit, I guess. Yeah. God damn. I guess I mean something like that. You got adrenaline going. You probably don't even realize that you're hurt until like. God, I remember. Uh, I my it was my high school graduation party at my parents' house, and uh, we had our my whole family was there. Uh, but on the side of my house, we set up our our my gym mats that I had, and I think the Iowa kids came out and. Uh, Castro and Craig were there, and we just we just had a fucking show on <laughs> on the, at my graduation party while my whole family is there, mind you. My mom was so mad, um, but I remember I wrestled Craig, and uh, we both hurt each other in that match. Like I gave him a rolling elbow very unsafely, and I hit him right in the bridge of the nose. And even in the clip, you see me hit him, and he grabs his face, and you just see me go, "Oh shit, are you okay?" <laughs> like. Like immediately knowing my fault, but the finish on that, he gave me a, a Joker driver, the Rubik's cube. And, uh, that was like the second time I ever took that move. And I remember when I landed, I immediately felt like from the back of my neck all the way to my tailbone, just everything just popped all at once. And I was like laying there on the ground and I was like, well, I think I'm paralyzed. And then like I then I could like I was able to like get up and move, but I was like, but man, my back hurts so bad. And I had to like I walked away like and went and sat on the curb and I was like I was like trying to figure out if I was like, okay, am I sore or am I like hurt hurt? 
and like I, I was afraid to like say something to my mom because she like for of course like she's gonna fucking no more wrestling ever. So I just like no sold it for like two weeks. And like I, I swear I probably couldn't even lift something that was like five pounds or wow. more. Like I just I couldn't it was just in so I was in so much pain all the time. And I never went to the doctor for it. And uh it, it just eventually it just stopped hurting. Right. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'm good then. And then I remember like it was I think maybe like a couple whatever like the the time span in between was but the next like big show that we were going to was uh st louis and i was like all right i guess i'm good to go and then i went and did that and i haven't i mean i I have like obviously like back pains now but it's like from years and years of just beating the shit out of myself but i'm surprised that like nothing serious came out of that surprisingly knock on wood yeah (laughs) god damn but yeah i remember uh uh, when I met you, you you were wrestling as as Folklin, and that was kind of uh your everybody knew you as that. That was like your your backyard uh moniker for the for the forums, but also like as wrestling and stuff like that. I, or no, because prior to that, you were you were Sean Phoenix before, right? Was yeah. Um, I have a very weird way of how I got into backyard wrestling. Uh, I'll sum it up real quickly. Wrestled on a trampoline with my friends as Sean Phoenix. I always wanted that to be my name. <clears throat> ended up going to super shows when I was 16 years old, still wrestling at Sean Phoenix. Stopped backyarding to get trained when I was finally legal age. Then I couldn't afford it. I went through a bad breakup, and I was like, I have nothing else to do. I'm going to start backyarding. I also realized in that time, I want to use a different name because I don't want YouTube. Because back then, everyone was like, Oh, backyard wrestling, you'll be blackballed, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I was like, why do that? Like, obviously, I don't want to throw my future away. So I, I came up with the name Focalin, which was a relatively unknown ADD drug at the time. And it was what I take. And I started wrestling with Rick and Eddie and, and so on. And I was like, well, this is a good opportunity to completely change my character. And the story was like, you know, like I come back as a, as a bad guy, new character. I don't want to ruin Sean Phoenix's reputation. I started, like, I got rid of gear. I wore jean shorts. It was my Raven uh, era. Oh, yeah. So, like, I was like, well, if I can, like, reestablish myself, which sounds so weird to think about. Like, if I can get these people who know me from, you know, back when I was wrestling in 2007, uh, Sean Phoenix, to know me as Focalin, then that's cool. Then you know, like, that's pretty badass that I can reinvent myself. And when I was yarding, my whole idea was everything i did backyarding was to prepare myself for pro mm-hmm. even when i was on the trampoline i was doing falcon arrow suplexes and you know like combination moves that i do today um and then in in the yard is where i taught myself how to breathe fire and like you know if this can get can get over with my friends i can get over with a crowd of people that i don't really know so so yeah that's that's how Folkland came to be i kind of wanted to not be sean phoenix anymore yeah, and then and it's it's funny you say like oh, uh, how you, you're like I want to be different for these people that are following you, and that's the thing that people don't a lot of people don't understand is that like even like, you know now maybe not so much now I'm not sure but um, when at least when we were doing it like there was there was an audience for backyard wrestling like there was like obviously the people on the forums but there was like a good 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 number of people that posted on there that didn't even wrestle they were just like 
like into backyard wrestling and they were into like certain guys. So like we like it's it's weird to say and kind of funny to say, but like we had like people that were like fans of us or like people that were like that regarded, you know, you or other people as like as being like the 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 guys in backyard wrestling to like to just to, to strive to be or strive to wrestle. And I think that's kind of it's kind of awesome. And it kind of helps you like in a way prepare for like when when everybody kind of inevitably takes that step into to professional wrestling right right there's actually been times where i've been on shows and have run into people that recognize me from backyard wrestling like because of my tattoos and stuff like that and they're like like i wrestled this one dude and he was like like after the match he was like are you vocalin and i was like yeah was <laughs> like oh my god i wrestled you and i didn't even realize it <laughs> really weird and like i've like had fans from backyard backyard wrestling that has followed you know me into pro which is super sick and is really weird <laughs> dude i still i still laugh at the time uh the first time i ever met uh djz zima ion joaquin wild whatever the fuck his name is now uh the first time i ever met him he was it was a benefit show for him at galley lucha here in chicago uh he was injured at the time and carlos threw a, threw together a benefit show for him and he was there and uh, and I had known of him because he was a pretty big independent name at the time, and uh, you know I was just like, oh hey, let it, like whatever. And then just through conversation, I don't know how you came up, but he just like stopped. He's like, wait a minute. He's like, you know Sean Phoenix? And like I was like, yeah. And this was like this. I guess this is probably like a couple years before you you started on, on the indies. Yeah. And he and it was just so funny. And like after then, like we became like friends. But it's funny, like how like the the weird like six degrees of separation kind of like break the ice sometimes yeah very weird very very weird oh my god uh so we talked about uh earlier uh the last time that we saw each other was riot fest uh do you want to talk about uh the 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 i guess the big thing that happened at riot fest for you so <laughs> it kind of it kind of got it got a lot of uh, media attention at the time yeah so there was a time where my yearly tradition was going to Riot Fest. Uh, the first time I was in town randomly, and that's when the Brits were in town. And someone was like, "Are you going to Riot Fest with them?" And I was like, "What's that?" And then they're like, "Oh, it's a concert." And like, "Oh, well, I'm in town." And I looked, and like AFI was on the the bill, um, Danzig, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this looks awesome." So I went, and then it became a yearly tradition. Well, one year I randomly got into system of a down i was like you know like I, I like the songs that i i know of them but i never really listened to them so this was probably like man like january of of that year and i was really in system of a down and then they it was announced that they would be headlining riot fest that year in september so i was like well i have to go like i was planning on going anyway but now i have to go and i'm a little guy to you guys that don't know so i always try to get front row and it's 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 a more intimate experience. Uh, it's just you and the band, occasional crowd surfers. Um, and I'm a, and like, it's good to lean on the guardrail. It's just nice on the back. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> they always try to get front row. And you and I, the first time when we went to Riot Fest, we ended up getting front row to Danzig. And like, that was really sick. Uh, I, I love being front row. Uh, however, this time I did not make it to front row for System of the Down. And I was in the center of the pit. Not a huge deal, but it's not ideal. I want to say Billy Idol was playing on the stage next to us. Yes. And 
they were they were they were split and the people in the pit we were we were shoulder to shoulder like we couldn't move at all and i remember specifically being packed in so tightly that i picked my legs up off the ground and i was still moving with the crowd cuz that's how tight we <laughs> and i was scary. like well, at the time, I was like, ha ha, this is fun. <laughs> I've experienced that before. Um, to you guys that don't know, Riley Fest is a big uh, Chicago festival. The headliners usually draw about, what would you say, Nick, 10,000 people? At least. Like, it's, as, if you look up, you just, you just see people as far as you can see. It's, it's, it's a lot of people. It's insane. So, System of a Down starts about 10,000 people in that long, like, <clears throat> excuse me there's like two stages separated but like st- like everyone kind of stays in like the line you know in line with the stage of the headliner uh riot fest it always rains that weekend it's very weird unfortunately it it's always muddy well during the first or second song everyone's falling over and the people that were pushing from the back were pushing forward. Well, the people up front would get mad and they would push back. So I remember turning around and seeing this big open area where people were walling off because people were falling over and they were like, no, 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 we can't have people push, you know? And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. <clears throat> Just because of the craziness, I ended up finding my way back there and ended up falling down. And my parents are paramedics to you guys that don't know. And I was always taught if you ever fall down in a situation like that, whether it be a, a concert, a max capacity thing, a, a fire, if you can stay on your side, it will save your life. Because if you're on your chest or you're trapped on your back, your chest can't expand and breathe. So I was thinking that. And one of the first things I was always taught as a kid during an emergency is don't panic. So I fall down. I'm not panicking. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get back up. No big deal. I got back up. I fell down again. And then I ended up getting trapped. Um, people were on my legs. People were on my arm. But I remembered I needed to get on my side. And it was even at the point where I remember telling other people that were trapped, hey, if we don't get picked up, make sure you can breathe. Get to your side so you can breathe. It'll save your life. I remember saying that to a couple of people. <clears throat> then... You know, I, that person would get up and then I'd get up and I'd fall back down. And the, the biggest issue is the people that are five rows ahead of you don't know that there's people trapped behind them. So they no, feel they push back. You know, you can't convey that to five rows ahead of you or 50 rows behind you. You can't say, hey, stop. There's people trapped. So that that was the issue. Um, I remember I was on my side and then somebody fell into me to the point where it pushed me onto my chest that's where i started to kind of get a little bit worried i'm like oh no oh just a little bit yeah well well i had, <laughs> had to remain calm right um, right i i was thinking you know the moment i freak out is the moment i use up all my air because the air was super thick and it was hard to breathe just because of the body heat and everything like that mm-hmm. um so i i would fight to get onto my side and get up then i would get you know push back down again and it felt like an eternity, but it was probably only like a five-minute process. You know, like, how long is a song? Um, then eventually someone was on my legs. I couldn't get up, and then someone fell on the back of my head. And that's where I was like, okay, panic set in. Like, I'm Shit. not going to 
I'm not claustrophobic by any means, but that's when it, the severity of it really, really hit me that I couldn't get up. This person was on the back of my head, pushing my face down into literal puddles of, of rainwater and mud. And I remember thinking, if I don't suffocate, I'm going to drown. Like there is not, I need to get out of this situation. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to survive this. So that's when I started panicking. That's when I started fighting for my life. I remember grabbing other people just to let them know. Cause like people were people so, don't know. what's that? People just, they don't know. Like you can't hear you or they, they don't see you. The music's too loud. You can't like, I'm screaming. No one's hearing me, but everyone was so packed in that you could feel the body presence rise. Like when someone was trapped next to you. You could feel when they stood up. So it's like, okay, well, this person's getting saved. And then you would hear off in the distance, we still got people trapped down there. They you don't know, like far away. So it's like, okay, well, they know I'm down here. I need to keep letting them know. I remember grabbing people's hands and stuff like that. The next thing I know, like I, I'm, I'm losing it. Like I'm, I'm getting weaker. I'm getting weaker. I'm like, this isn't good. Uh, I, they're not saving me. And, um, I, I couldn't even hear the music. It was just the screams of everyone. It was very haunting. And I'm, lose, I'm losing consciousness. And the last thing I remember thinking was, well, this is what it's like to die. And I had the image, which Bret Hart said he had the same image, too, when his dad was putting him in holds. Like, I, I just pictured him in the newspaper, you know, bang, one found dead at Riot Fest incident. Like, I pictured that right before I went unconscious. And... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> the next thing I know, I'm kind of like floating, and I'm like, "Holy shit, I really did die!" Um, Jesus it Christ! It turns out that the band had stopped playing, and paramedics had rescued me, and I was being carried above everyone. So I legitimately was above everyone. <laughs> I had no idea where I was or anything like that. And I remember hearing the band get closer and closer and closer, and they took me to the front. And then you know when I was backstage i was able to breathe and and get my wits about me but then it was at that point that i realized shit i lost my cell phone <laughs> and oh yeah and then like like well i need to go to like first aid because like they took my shirt off because it was soaking wet and i was freezing cold like i need to go to first aid i didn't want to go to the hospital or anything like that which in hindsight i probably should have because i don't know how long i was unconscious i don't know if i got hit on the head so i should have went to the hospital but i didn't <clears throat> so then my priority was how do I get a hold of my friends? <laughs> I right. So I'm like asking people around because I remember also there was very crappy cell phone service. Usually, yeah. When that many people are together, it's kind of spotty at best. Yeah. So I would like find someone on the phone and be like, hey, can I use your phone? I need to contact my friends. They're like, yeah, what's the number? And I was like, shit, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's 2013. Yeah, nobody knows phone numbers. <laughs> So then I had to find someone with a Twitter account. And then like when I did, they didn't have service. I'm like, okay, well, I remembered where we said our meetup point was and ended up meeting up with you guys. And then you ended up finding my cell phone, right? I think so. Yeah. Cause like we, we, we met up at the spot and we're just like, where the fuck is Steve at? Jesus Christ. And then like, you just like emerge from the darkness, just like disheveled with a bloody nose and you're soaking wet and you're muddy. And you yeah. just like, looked like you, like literally like you've seen a ghost yeah. I'm like, dude, are you okay? Like, what the hell? And you explain what happened. We're like, holy shit. Like, I give you a hug. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? And then, like, uh, I think I ended up just, like, calling your phone. Just, just, I was like, 
whatever. Let's, we'll see if it, we can find it. And like somebody, I think security found it in the mud or something, and it was workable. I don't remember it, if it was damaged or not. No, it wasn't. Um, I remember whenever I was telling you guys, because Matt Cross was also with us, mm-hmm. and I remember my, my nose wasn't bleeding at that point. I was just covered in mud, and my face was all red and everything like that. But I remember like telling you guys what happened, and it was like the first time I spoke the words. And I remember getting like really emotional and like, you know, shaky. I was like, oh my God, guys, you won't believe what happened. Like, because like I couldn't believe that happened to me. You just processed it all. It was real. Yeah. As we were walking to the car, like I had relaxed enough that I was laughing at it. And I was like, holy shit, that was crazy, guys. And then, like, my nose started bleeding, and I was laughing at it, and Matt Cross was like, it was really funny. When I first saw you, you looked fine, but you were, like, crying. Now you look significantly worse, and you're laughing at it. And I was like, that is weird. God, that, I think I still have, I still have that photo, too, of you. Just, like, I just took a picture of you, and it was just, like, the. I think we were trying to, like, make it a thing. Like, hashtag Steve is alive. Right. That was my that, Tinder picture for the longest time. Really? <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. I, that, I I, that's got to be a good, like, icebreaker for that. Like, w- tell me about this picture. And then you're like, yeah. well, let me tell you. Every, everyone I know that has seen that was like, you know, that's actually a really good picture of you. And I was like, I don't see it, but, regard- but whatever. <laughs> um, so then our buddy, you know, it kind of went a little bit crazy. I made a Facebook post about it, and it caught traction. And our friend Nick Halsman was like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you want to do a story on this? I was like, dude, whatever you want to do, man, whatever helps you out. And he was like, all right, well, we need to put a pro wrestling spin on it because this is a pro wrestling website. And I was like, well, you know, I was with Freelance. I was with Matt Nix. I was with Mark Andrews. I am training. So WrestleZone broke the story. And then it spread like wildfire. And like my real, because I was just training at this point. I wasn't even on shows. And it, it spread to like, I couldn't even tell you, like, um, I feel like didn't uh what what the heck's that one big music uh, uh I can't even think now alternative press post- yeah yeah I think they posted about it um literally I tell people if you Google system of a down riot fest every article is about me and that <laughs> it, it's true like it's insane um it got to the point where like former coworkers were like oh my god you're posted here or they would post like. They would get, they would share it on Facebook. They're like, I know this guy. And like, it was insane. So that was my first touch with death. And like, first time I went viral. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about like the, I guess the moment, I guess this is probably mo- more people will probably understand this one, or I guess like know what it's about, but please continue. So October 6th, 2018 is the day that we'll live in infamy as yours truly was on the top rope, and his opponent, Atticus Koger, was on the table on the outside. <clears throat> and Rosa Mendez was sitting front row, which I love that aspect of it. <laughs> Excuse me. My finishing move is the 450 splash. We had talked about maybe just doing a moonsault off the top rope, but I didn't feel comfortable enough doing it because I couldn't see my where I was going. So I was like, well, no, 450 is my move. That's what they expect. That's what I'll do. <clears throat> Atticus moved. I overshot the table. And I was able to look and figure out why I overshot the table. Um, but that's another story for another day. I overshot the table. 
smack my head off the floor, full force, smacking my head off the gymnasium floor, instantly knocking myself out. I was diagnosed with a fractured uh, temporal lobe or a fractured skull. Yeah, I guess the temporal lobe area, uh, a subdural hematoma, which is a small brain bleed, um, a concussion, obviously. Uh, I suffered a seizure at ringside because of the brain bleed. I broke my cochlea, which is the inner ear. Um, one of the first things I noticed when I came to was I can't hear out of my ear. Um, so I broke that. I was bleeding from my ear because of that. Um, I'm sure there's other injuries that I got that I don't even remember at this point. Just yeah. Um, so I was, I came to, I noticed my ear. Um, I couldn't really comprehend what happened. I had never been knocked out before. Um, I've gotten head trauma and stuff like that, but I've never been knocked out and never been knocked loopy. <clears throat> I remember waking up, everyone was around me and I was like, what's going on? What happened? And they kept saying that I fell and I wasn't comprehending that. They just went, you fell, you fell. You hit your head. You hit your head on the guardrail, which isn't true, but just no one had the ability to rewatch it. They just, okay. Right. And I couldn't comprehend it. It wasn't until I threw up straight blood that I realized I'm really hurt. I thought yeah. I, broke, I thought I hurt my, you know, something in my, in my stomach. I was like, okay, well, I'm really hurt. This is, this is real. I can't comprehend it. <clears throat> um, then like, you know, like. I'm getting surrounded by people that are asking me questions and, and stuff like that. Um, the paramedic showed up. My dad was, my dad's a paramedic. He was there. He was asking me things. He was taking care of me. Um, and that's, I remember telling him like, I can't hear. He's like, don't worry about that. There's other things going on. <clears throat> um, they got me on a stretcher and that's what I was like. It, it hit me again. I'm like, wow, I'm really, really hurt. I'm getting stretchered away. Thank God this was that like this was after the match, <laughs> you know. Yeah, this was post match chaos, so it was good. It didn't ruin the match. <clears throat> um, I remember thinking on the stretcher, okay, I'm hurt, I'm really hurt. They're stretching me away. Do I do the thumbs up that every athlete? <laughs> <laughs> but then I remember thinking to myself, no, that's really lame, and you're cooler than that. So I did. I did rock on sign i'm like yeah that's more my character so i did that which is good because the crowd got super quiet that whole time this whole process was probably about five to ten minutes from mm -hmm. the time it showed up <clears throat> they it was so super quiet they the people my buddy andrew said backstage they thought that the match was really shit in the bed based on how because <laughs> it, it was so quiet yeah oh was, my uh, god they really lost them then they went and peeked out and like, oh my god, someone's hurt. Yeah. Um, so it turns out that when I when I raised my hand, the crowd cheered. And that's when it let everyone backstage know, okay, he's okay. Granted, they didn't realize the severity of my injuries, and neither did I. But um they I remember it was really cold. They took me out, they put me in the ambulance, and once I was in the ambulance, I was like, Okay, I have a history of head trauma, I have had concussions. This is serious. I just undid all that. I need to make sure I'm still alive. So I remember going over the match. Okay, it started with a Pearl Harbor. Then this happened. And I went through the entire match and remembered it spot for spot for spot, but didn't remember the 450. I was like, okay, then I'm supposed to do this. And then this was supposed to happen. Oh, I must have got hurt on the 450. 
So then I'm in a neck brace. I'm on the stretcher in the in the um, in the ambulance, and my mom comes in. She was there too. My parents normally don't come to shows, but this one was close by, and uh, she she had looked down, made eye contact, but like since I'm laying down, she was like to my left. So like we're like looking at each other upside down, and she goes, "Is this for real?" <laughs> and I'm, it's, it's it's funny that you say that too because I remember when when I saw that 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 this was this happened, and I texted you, and I and I was I think I said something like I I don't know if this is real or not or something along those lines where I was like because I know you and yeah. I know how much you like to to um to to not to work everybody but you like to make it make everything you do as believable as possible even even to the point of like ribbing people when it's it's like oh shit is he really hurt or not like yeah. I kind of was like. Is he is he okay or not? I don't know. But then it was like, oh shit, he's like seriously hurt. For example, for those of you guys that don't know, Nick gave me the opportunity to participate in a gimmick battle royal for one of the freelance shows, and I I dressed up as Andy Kaufman and <laughs> got eliminated, and then immediately went backstage and wore a neck brace for the whole show because Andy <laughs> Kaufman is my favorite wrestler, and I did that to myself, you know, just for the if anybody knew. How you know Andy Kaufman? Like that's something Andy would do. That's kind of how I am. Just oh yeah. For the, for the LOL. But I said to my mom, I, let me rephrase that. I thought I said to my mom, "Yes, this is for real." Because that was my thinking. What I said to her was, "I have no idea what's going on." <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of answers her question for her. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> okay, so. I don't want to pull the curtain back too much, but sure. it, it was intended for me to be written off from the show. I couldn't make a couple shows. So I told my mom, hey, this is probably going to get pretty violent at some point. Um, I just want to let you know I'm okay. And after every match, I would text my mom to say, hey, I'm okay, no injuries, or hey, sprain finger, whatever. So she had every right to believe that this was part of the show because I had told her, you know, my character is getting killed. Um, it wasn't, she actually left. Like she told me she was so uncomfortable with how much we were playing on people's emotions that she left the building. She's like, this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't, you guys are really going too far. And I've watched the hard cam and I can see her leave the venue. I'm like, wow, she really left. (laughs) And she told me it wasn't until she heard the ambulance that she came back in and was like, maybe this Mm. is but once again, how far would I go? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was. That's what I mean. I was like, damn. I, I, I think I texted you. I was like, hey, Steve, stop trying to be like CM Punk, because <laughs> I think he cracked his skull too at some point. Yeah. Um. So they put me in the ambulance. Uh. She talked to the the medics and confirmed, like, yeah, yeah, this is real. This is real. And I, they took me away with sirens on. Call back to what happened with Trey and I was like wow I'm really screwed up because I just thought I hit my head I remember I had the worst headache in my life and was a little confused but you know like I was okay I was alive I'm like wow sirens on this is crazy and then the drive in the ambulance itself was kind of short and it got really cold and I was like I can't be at a hospital already because I this was at IWC and I grew up at this company I know the area like the back of my hand there's no hospitals nearby. I'm like, we can't be at the hospital already, even with the lights and sirens on. They took me out of the ambulance, and they loaded me into a helicopter. And I was like, 
oh, oh shit. shit, this is a matter of life and death. So I'm in the helicopter, and all the all the while I keep kind of fading in and out, and they're yelling at me they're like, "No, no, stay with us, stay with us." <clears throat> and I was kind of left alone in the helicopter for a second, and I, re- I remember thinking, like, "Thank God, I can rest my eyes." But then they woke me up. Um, they lifted off, and I, I remember hearing the helicopter. They were asking me questions, but I don't remember too much about the ride. I remember that itself was very short, but I figured, okay, I was probably in and out of consciousness, and helicopters are pretty fast. They took me to the hospital, immediately gave me a CT scan and everything like that. And um, I remember I was really sensitive to the white light, the the lights in the hospital, all the walls are white and everything like that. And I dozed off. The doctor came in and told me the diagnosis. And I remember thinking, shit, I have a booking tomorrow. How am I going to work this into the storyline? <laughs> Got it. They're like, you're going to stay here for a couple days. And I went, crap. This I, lo- I love that mentality, too, though, of just like, okay, how do I, how do I make my booking? <laughs> like, even though you're like, you're dying in the, in the hospital, but you're still like, how do I make my booking? Right. Because... <laughs> Like, I felt fine other than a really, really, really bad headache and sensitive to light. You know, like, I didn't know that I was leaking spinal fluid from my ear. I didn't know that I had a brain bleed. I didn't know that I couldn't walk on my own because, like, I'd been laying down. Yeah. So, fast forward, my sister took my phone, and I'm really glad she did because, obviously, it kind of went a little bit crazy on Facebook, praying for Sean Phoenix, blah, 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 blah. Um. She took my phone and was replying to everyone's texts and messages and stuff like that, which I'm very glad she did. Dang, then I probably talked to your sister. Probably, yeah. Um, Then I woke up the next day, and I'm like, well, crap, I don't have a phone. I'm really bored. And I was, like, mad she did it, but then she brought it back, and then I saw, like, all the positivity. And that, excuse me, that really humbled me. It was like, wow, all these people care about me, you know, like. Every now and then we kind of go through the real, like, do I matter to anyone type of mindset? I'm like, wow, all these people care. And that really motivated me to be as positive as I could be because I felt like everyone was counting on me. It was really weird. But I never got, like, upset or anything about that because I was like, I can't let these people down. Um, So while I was in the hospital, it was confirmed that I was leaking spinal fluid from my ear. That needed to stop if that didn't stop, I would have needed emergency brain surgery right there. So what they did was they gave me eight shots in my spine of an epidural to like numb my spine. And they gave me a catheter in my spinal column, which eee. even with all of the shots, it was the most pain I experienced in the hospital. I can't imagine that feeling very good at all. <laughs> it is. They had to close the door. They had to remove all my visitors because they're like, this is going to be painful and very disturbing. And I tried so hard not to fell it. But every inch they shoved it, I was groaning and screaming. It felt like they were putting like a minivan in my spine. Like the pain that this thing had. It, it was terrible. So they put that in there. And then I had to sleep at a 45 degree angle because the spinal obviously... Uh, goes up and down the spinal column and surrounds the brain. So at a 45 degree angle, gravity would pull majority of the spinal fluid down so it wouldn't run up and down the spine. I'm a chest sleeper. Like I sleep on my chest with my head under a pillow. I was already having like, that first night was pretty rough. But from that point on, sleep wasn't an option. Um, so they had to leave that in for three days and see if it stopped leaking. 
if it didn't, then I would have needed surgery then and there. Thankfully, it did stop leaking. And then from that point, I was able to try walking on my own and going through the process of getting released because there was a possibility of after staying in that hospital, I would have been transferred to another hospital to do inpatient physical therapy for the concussion based on my balance and stuff like that. <clears throat> but thankfully, I didn't need that at all. And I was only in the hospital for six days. And the very first thing I did once I got home was I tried to lay down on my bed, but I was too stir crazy. So I was like, fuck it. Get me into a wrestling ring. And I had my dad drive me. I also um, I wasn't able to drive myself or lift anything heavier than a gallon of milk because of the um, well, driving because of the seizure. They also didn't want any of the staples or anything to screw up the um, the spinal column or anything like that. So I had my dad drive me to the practice ring and I got into it just to make sure that I could because they were worried about PTSD and I didn't think I would have that. But thankfully I did. <clears throat> I did that, you know, no issues. And I started my rehabilitation. <laughs> Dang. And that was like such a long process. I remember like seeing, seeing you post about it online and, uh, and when we would talk here and there too, um, when did when did you make your 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 official comeback? Oh, so actually, let me let me shed some light on the uh, going viral. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The accident was really disturbing to a lot of people, and I'm a stuntman pro wrestler. Like, if I get hurt, I want that to kind of be the take you guys use, you know, so to speak. Like, I know that's a stuntman thing. If they do a stunt and they get hurt. That's the one they're proud of because then it feels like they got hurt for a purpose. Right. And, you know, I had to do a lot of talking with the owners and I was like, look, like, I know you guys are upset about this, but I'm having people asking me to see it. And, you know, like, I think this would kind of be cathartic, you know, cathartic for me to get this out there and make sure no one else gets hurt and learn from my mistake. So a couple back, you know, conversations back and forth and they finally, you know, let me, but they wanted to make sure they wanted to wait until I was, you know, really out of the clear because they didn't want that video out there and be like, oh, yeah, here's the video that ended up killing him. You know, right. The, the right. So we waited until December. I got hurt in October and I posted it on Reddit. Um, I even made a post in the hospital about what happened just because I was I didn't have anything else to do. Mm -hmm. So I, I posted it and then a couple GIF retweeters posted it and it spread. It spread like wildfire and i didn't really expect that but in hindsight i think it went viral because of the fact that i got so hurt and i contributed that to the accessibility of pro wrestling mm -hmm. we're so spoiled with the accessibility of watching anything you know like somebody does an outstanding spot in mexico we can see it five minutes later on twitter and then it dies down because we see something that just happened in Japan. You know, like everything has a short, a short shelf life on the Internet. But mine really resonated with people because it was the rare time where something crazy happened and it didn't pay off. You know, very like most of the time you see a botch and it's like, ha ha ha, you know, what an idiot. You know, yeah. Like, you know, we can laugh about it. This was this was a holy shit, how the hell is this guy still alive? And people that weren't even wrestling fans were sharing it. Like, this is bad, you know? <clears throat> and, like, we released it on, like, December 21st, 
and like I'm getting podcast requests on Christmas Eve. I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> As I was, you know, talking to such and such on Twitter. Like, this I, is insane. I think I, I think I remember like Disco Inferno just like trying to bury it and then everybody like told him to fuck off. But yeah, this, Disco Inferno and Jim Cornette didn't have two nice things to say about it. And a lot of people were really offended by that. But I loved it because the moment my, my thought process was the moment Jim Cornette retweets it is the moment the Young Bucks see it, the moment Kenny Omega sees it. And, you know, Absolutely. like, I understand how, you know, publicity works. And sure enough, Finn Balor tweeted me personally. The Young Bucks tweeted me. Disco Inferno was an odd one because I didn't really <laughs> I kind of forgot Disco existed. And he's, I was a strange guy in general. <laughs> I, I wasn't aware of his trolling personality as well as, you know, how Jim Cornette is. So him saying anything really set off a lot of people. And I was like, well, cool. When I come back, I can wrestle Disco Inferno and kick his ass. So I'm still, <laughs> still trying to work with him, but uh, he's ducking me. So, so yeah, I went viral for that. And that was the second. Technically, that was the third near-death experience of my life. Just the second <laughs> went viral. I didn't even talk about the second one because it's not as sexy. but. But yeah, so my in-ring return was November 2nd, 2019. I so, made a oh, right over just over a year. Yeah, I made my surprise in-ring appearance. Like lights went black and I appeared in the ring literally one day shy of my one year anniversary. It was the same show. It was IWC Unbreakable 2019. I got hurt in Unbreakable 2018 which is where the nickname comes from that I use now. Mm -hmm. um, I actually got cleared from my concussion doctor in January. So I could have wrestled from that point on, but I was really dealing with balance issues. Um, I, remember so you I, saying. Like, I, I could like punch and kick and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't want to just do that. So it was a lot of bouncing around from doctors to find the right one to diagnose me and treat me. So once I got looked at for my inner ear, they were like, this is what's causing the balance issues. So I could attend physical therapy. And I got like this. I, I wasn't not cleared as far as a doctor was concerned, but I wasn't clearing myself. And it wasn't until like September that I was like, I was done with physical therapy. So I messaged Mr. Plummer, the owner of IWC. I'm like, hey, let's do this. Like, we can either do this this weekend at the September show. Or we can wait till Unbreakable and really surprise people. And that's what I wanted to do. Because um, it was literally one day shy of the one year anniversary. So That's so cool. And I'm sure the crowd fucking lost their minds when the lights came on. You're standing there. It's like, what a, what a, what a like positive spin on something like that. Like, not only did, did this, this accident that happened, like, damn near could have killed you. But not only did you survive, but you you know, rehabilitated yourself and you're back and you're wrestling again, almost just yeah. pretty much at, at, at full, uh, full strength. Like it, like before it even happened. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was really, a lot of people probably would have done, done it differently, but I really wanted to make my in-ring surprise and return in the same building. I got hurt at, at the same company I got hurt for, where like I could have gone to Mexico or something like that because I was on the news in Mexico. I could have I could have literally contacted any company and been like, hey, this member me. Like I feel like I could have <laughs> Hey guys. But, yeah, like I'm alive. Book me. Um I really wanted to do it at that 
company because that crowd saw the accident and they saw the struggle and the the process, the return and everything like that. It was, so it really meant a lot to me to do it like that. And the match was me and Atticus, the person who took credit for hurting me. Um, so yeah, it's insane. <laughs> That's crazy. I know you, you're a big, big guy in symbolism and, and stuff like that. And I, I know that that probably meant a lot to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, hold on one second. Let me yeah, grab this. Um, so we didn't get like a whole lot of questions and stuff, and, and, and that happens sometimes, you know. Sometimes we get a bunch, sometimes we get nothing, but I did got some good questions here from our good pal Ian from 616 Entertainment. Uh, he, he wanted to know, uh, how, has, how has your view of the wrestling business changed since coming back from your injury? Um, it hasn't really changed a lot. However, the year off, I really got to study pro wrestling. I would still go to shows and, and watch. And like, I've been a wrestling fan since I was 10, but it was the first time in my life where I was watching wrestling, not as an active wrestler in some form. So I was really able to study and process everything and let it sit with me without having to try and understand it and apply it to my next match. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Really digest it. So I'm really thankful for that, for that. However, I think what's old is going to be new again very soon. Oh, absolutely. With how everything, with AEW, WWE, NXT, with super indie you know, stuff, <clears throat> everything is super indie matches now. That I think storytelling and slowing matches down is really going to make a comeback soon. It, I think it's already ha- it already has. Like in the in the, la- the back part of 2019 into 2020, I've I remember seeing a lot more. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we did at, at freelance, like not to not to toot our own horn here, but like a lot of the stuff that we do there is is story storyline driven, and we don't uh, generally have like a, a lot of like big name you know, independent names on our shows, but like our crowd is so passionate about like our people and the stories that we tell with those people that like, they just latch onto it and they, you know, they, that's all it is. People want to be entertained and they want to see a good story being told. Like the moves and all the other stuff is, is just an added bonus. Yeah. I mean, everyone was, was praising Cody Rhodes versus Dustin. So that's, that's what I think we're going to see a lot more of those type of matches, you know, like, Really NWA style, you know, old school, methodical wrestling storytelling. So I really expect to see that. Um, other than that, I mean, it's kind of hard to say with it being, what's today's date? April 22nd. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> wrestling has changed for the sake that it's no longer a thing right now, except for closed doors. Mm-hmm. But digress. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it, it's funny that you, you bring up like the old methodical style of wrestling because uh, his Ian's other question is, do you ever wish that you were born earlier so that you could have come up in a different era of the Indies? That's a great question. Um, yes and no. There's times where I think to myself, man, it would be great to be breaking in with NWA TNA still a thing. And, you know, the X Division guys like Petey Williams and Chris Saban and Alex Shelley. Like, that would be great. But I don't, reg- you know, really regret it or have any other wishes because, like, now is the best time to be a pro wrestler with the accessibility of everything. 
And you can make a name for yourself with the internet without really having a trademark, you know, move set, so to speak. Definitely. Uh, I saw somebody made a post on Twitter and I don't want to, I, I don't want this to sound like I'm burying anybody. No, I'm, no. I'm doing the complete opposite. I'm putting them over. The most popular wrestlers are people like Warhorse, Danhausen, Effie, stuff like that. I couldn't name you six of their trademark moves. Oh, absolutely. We, I, on my episode prior to this one, when I talked to Trip Cassidy, we, we literally talked about, uh, about Warhorse, Danhausen, Effie, Dan the Dad, all these guys that like, they, they just like, they figured out a character that they can do that, that the crowd is just like, they, they're just like, yeah, that's, that's, that's entertaining. I like that. And they don't have to do crazy moves or anything that take crazy bumps. Um, I know Effie lo- loves to take those crazy bumps, but you know, we yeah, love them anyway. That's the thing that they don't have <clears throat> a memorable, you know, move set or anything like that, or they don't take those risks. But the fact is majority of people know them based on their internet personas. And weirdly enough, when I was hurt, a lot of people were asking me for advice and I was like, you don't want to ask me for advice. Like I'm the guy that's known for getting hurt. But the advice I give people is if you can be imitated or parodied, you're doing something right. Absolutely. Everybody can imitate Stone Cold Steve Austin. Everybody can imitate Macho Man Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, etc., etc. Nobody can really imitate Chad Gable. True. Nobody can really imitate Shelton Benjamin, which, once again, not downplaying them. They're incredible athletes. However, the common fan wants that character. Yeah, you look at, like, throughout history, how many, like, iconic characters. I mean, you rattled off a bunch of them already. Uh, that's, those are, that's staying power. You know, that's, that's yeah. becoming iconic. That's, you know, transcending the business almost. You know, you become, like, this, this uh, iconic pe- uh, piece of, like, pop culture almost. It's something that everybody strives, strives for and, and not many people actually get. And I think... Those people, Warhorse, your Effies, your Danhausen, your Dan the Death, they are those characters that absolutely we, they are able to be imitated. They're able to be parodied. That's what like it takes a lot to find that voice, um, so to speak, that character, that persona. You know, I still haven't found it. So when you do, like that's great. You know, latch onto that, and then you know when you're a phenomenal wrestler, it's even ten times better. So. I don't even remember the question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you pretty much answered it. The um, he was basically saying if you could have grown up in a different era, and, yeah. you, you, and you said yeah, early t- the early two thousands, I probably would have said the same thing because you look at all those guys, you look at the the CM Punks, the Cole Cabanas, Jimmy Jacobs, Roderick Strong, Austin Aries, the list goes on and on. Anybody that came up in that that era that like wrestled in Mid South or you know Ring of Honor and stuff like that, where are they now? Right. Damn near all of them are signed to either WWE or AEW or, you know, are fought in the UFC. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, to, to, to put it, to pull it back a little bit more personally, if I would have broken my skull as an indie wrestler in 2003, I wouldn't have gone viral because Twitter didn't exist. Yeah, that's, uh, that is actually true, too. So I think I so that's essentially what I was referring to is the accessibility of people breaking out and becoming names for themselves transcends the actual in-ring product based on the Internet. Okay, well, I have one last question for you, and it comes from uh, my good pal, uh, Scrump, uh, co-host of the PWT cast. Uh, he wants to know, 
what do you think happened to Atlantis? Oh, that's a good question. I remember seeing it in the movies whenever I was a kid. It was a cartoon. Great. Um, movie, way. <laughs> um, that's a great question. I actually read something about that, that um, they think they found like what could have been Atlantis. Um, but I don't really know too much about it to speculate. I, I think if Atlantis was a real place, it probably had something to do with the first wave of climate change. And there probably was flooding, you know, like, and we're kind of experiencing that right now. So that's entirely, mm-hmm. po- entirely possible. It's not an exciting answer, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in about 100 years, Florida is going to become the next Atlantis. It'll disappear under the under the ocean. Exactly. That's a shame, but. But yeah, I think it's entirely possible. That's a great question. I was hoping that he would ask me what my favorite rock types were, because I definitely would say geode. Um, there isn't really a joke there. I was just hoping for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, well, Steve or Sean Phoenix, Steve Folkland, uh God, I've, I want to play uh, Folkland's wrongdoings at the end of this podcast. <laughs> I, def- I won't. I won't. But if you want to look that up, you can. Um, uh thank you so much for doing this this was fun to sit down and chat with you um across the country uh via skype like this is crazy like technology like this allows us to kind of just like talk like it it literally at at a certain point during this conversation i actually kind of forgot that we were on computers and like i i just kind of figured you were here in the room you know like not actually but like a little bit The, the 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 separation didn't exist i mean you know for that yeah yeah we're right here uh, before we get out of here, uh, do you got anything you want to plug? I'm gonna have like your social media tags uh, popping up on the screen during the during the broadcast, but I'll plug it in the uh, description. But go ahead, plug anything you want. The floor is yours, my friend. I really have to plug is you know my social media, like you said, you're gonna be plugging, which is X Sean X Phoenix. I talk to everyone. I feel like as a fan, when wrestlers would talk to me, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So I try to repay that favor. Um, if you have if you want to chat about anything, let me know. Uh, preferably don't talk to me about wrestling because <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about things other than wrestling, like star Wars and Pokemon go and nine inch nails. I can talk to you all day about that. If you were to ask me about the match that just happened on NXT with such and such, I wouldn't know, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much to plug. There isn't much going on, which isn't, you know, which is a shame. Um, everyone stay safe, wash your hands uh cough into your to your elbow you know we'll get through this together wash your hands wash your ass yeah well thank you so much uh thanks for thanks for doing this man thanks for having me man tell your family i said hi i will thank you (laughs) 